Welcome to Jepper Bites. I'm your host, Lakshtata. We're live from day four of ZJLF 2019, and the session you're about to listen to is called Healed, Life Learnings from Manisha Koirala. Manisha Koirala in conversation with Sanjay K. Roy. Manisha's book, Healed, and I hope many of you are going to go and pick it up. It's an amazing story. When it first came to me, uh, I was a little skeptical about reading the book, and then I started reading it, and I think in two days I messaged you saying, what an amazing story, what an amazing book of a survivor in so many different ways. Ladies and gentlemen, Manisha Koirala, iconic Indian film actor, Saudagar Dilse. 1942, a love story, and now returned with Sanju, which was a, such a fabulous film. Welcome, Manisha. Haven't met you for so many years. Welcome back. Thank you, Sanjay. Thank you. Manisha, one of the most, uh, when I opened the book, the line that really got me was, I don't want to die. That's how the book starts. Tell us a little bit about the journey and how you knew that you were not feeling well. You had a bloated stomach and you went to Nepal, you went home. Tell us a little bit how you realized that you were not well. And I'll come later to how somebody had already diagnosed that you were not well. But tell us your version. Good morning, everyone. First of all, let me say that it's great to be here, Sanjoy. Thank you for having me here with this. I've been attending this uh, festival and I think it's amazing to be with such engaged audience, thank you for having me. Um, this book that I have written, um, it starts with that line, I don't want to die, because it's, uh, it's uh, when one is diagnosed with cancer, the first thing that happens to us is the thought of death. And um, it's such a... It's such a difficult uh, time to comprehend, to understand. And um, anyways, um, to take you down through the uh, pre-diagnosis part was my, my body was giving signs and symptoms. I was falling sick often. I was putting on weight in my stomach. Uh, my stomach was bloated, but I was thinking just the age. And I kept on thinking it's just the lifestyle. And uh, so cancer was the last thing in my head. And uh, so I kept on evading, evading till I really could not evade anymore till it started hurting me so bad that I had to tell my brother to take me to a hospital, take me to a machine, get me checked because there's something wrong. And then, of course, the diagnosis. And It was in Kathmandu that the doctor first said to you that they thought that it was a cancer and it was in a very advanced stage. And you came back home and you crawled into bed upstairs. And give us, share with us your that emotion at that point of time. Basically, uh, when I mean, it was completely utter shocking news for me, for my parents, for my family. And that whole night... Uh, 
was i feel that was the longest night that was the loneliest night because um, one really can't comprehend uh, with late stage cancer diagnosis what to think how to be and uh, so it was excruciatingly lonely and uh, fearful and yet there was a sense of hope because you all decided to go to fly to bombay to uh, the very famous uh, uh, ovarian cancer specialist in jaslok and even on the flight while you were being very quiet and when you landed in bombay a, a city that has always loved you a city that you've always loved in so many ways there was still that sense of hope that maybe maybe it's the wrong diagnosis yes uh, you know uh, i think when your diagnosis such a, a thing we always have a little hope thinking that maybe it's a wrong diagnosis and uh, when my doctors in kathmandu told me to go to mumbai or, or some other place uh, we decided to go to mumbai and uh, when i was talking to when i got an appointment with dr advani who um, is a oncologist uh i really had a hope that uh, god it let it be a wrong diagnosis let it be a wrong diagnosis so the whole journey uh from kathmandu to mumbai which i've done like thousand and zillion time but that again was really uh, a different journey and the a plane ride was kathmandu to mumbai is 2 hours but it felt like a lifetime and um i was also very conscious because i felt that everybody was staring at me everybody was looking at me they got to know that i had cancer so lots of uh, uncomfortable thoughts and feelings was coming besides the fact of cancer and then i came to mumbai and then we uh, reached directly to jaslok hospital and i waited for a couple of hours for uh, dr saab to come um and then uh, when he asked for a second set of uh, city scans i just had a flint of hope that it was or oh, maybe he thinks the uh, reports are not correct and it could be wrong diagnosis and so um, i mean for a period mom and me both were hoping that it was a misdiagnosis talking about hope many many years before that you had first come to bombay with the hope and what made you want to come to bombay and join films was many years back but um my move my journey into movies was an accidental one uh my mama who uh, had taken my photograph in kathmandu he asked me to do an ad film and that became a popular and i just fleetingly uh, because i thought it was a good money i was being offered 50000 rupees for a nepali film so <laughs> so i did that movie and uh, while acting in that movie i it came to me i love being in front of camera i love this whole process of playing a character so why don't i do do it in mumbai in in a film in a proper film industry so uh, the thought happened uh, during that time and uh, i kind of emotionally blackmailed my mom to bring me to mumbai and spend like as a birthday gift and spend a week there and uh... but you know you come from such an incredible political family you know generations of the koiralas have been in power in some way or the other 
was there any sort of hesitation from the family that there you are going off into the world of film which is so different from the world of politics or like many of your cousins etc you know where you married into other royal families perhaps in india etc so what was the was there a lot of protest when you unfortunately during those days uh, the whole perception of film industry was as if it's a bad world you know and uh, girls from good gharanas and good families don't get into this film industry but that's so untrue honestly i have to speak and defend my industry because i feel the world by and large either is good or bad you know no profession is safe and no profession is so hardcore corrupt and bad and uh, unsafe so uh, during those days it was not an acceptable uh, thing so my father had a reservation and my mother obviously had a reservation so i kind of convinced my grandmother <laughs> and uh, my grandmother told me that even if you want to be a grass cutter beta be uh, do that uh, with full just try and be the best grass cutter and and no profession is good or bad just try and do your best in whatever field you decide to do you must pursue that so luckily i had a great grandmother how did how did how did sodagar come about Well, Sodagar actually, uh, my it was not my first attempt to cinema. It was like uh, second or third attempt. First, I wanted to be Hina, I, and so I had gone to uh, meet, uh, meet Rishi Kapoorji, and uh, he had already decided on Zeba, uh, and he had offered me Ashwini Bhaveji's role, which I said I don't want to do a second lead, uh, so I refused. And then it was Boni Kapoorji's movie, uh, which eventually Tabu did, called Prem. and uh, so that also didn't materialize then uh, two three months had passed i was shuffling between mumbai and uh, uh, delhi um and that time um, one of my f- uh, family my mom's very good friend called meena ayer she is a film journalist so meena they uh, said manisha subhash ghai ji is looking uh, for a fresh face you want to meet him and uh, we all said yeah okay you know great so we went to meet subhashri we came to mumbai again and uh, in the first meeting itself subhashri had told me something very encouraging he had said manisha in case you're not uh, if it, if i don't take you in this film doesn't mean that you are any lesser of an actor or a lesser of a star it's just that my character does not match yours personality so uh, try because uh, and i think that was really encouraging word for any newcomer uh because we get to we, we get rejected and then we start feeling there's something is not right with us um so i guess uh, that happened but during the whole process me and vivek mushran who was my co-actor uh we did screen test and after we got signed uh we were put through intense uh, training of horse riding of classical dancing of dialogue delivery of roshan taneja acting classes of lip syncing F- lip syncing you have to lip sync in everything the- yes lip syncing for the songs yes and then came bombay which in many way propelled you i think into the hearts and minds of everybody how many people have seen bombay how many of see people have seen 1942 a love story and still so <laughs> wow propelled you into that 
that changed your life in many ways. It really made you the superstar of that time. How did that happen and what did that do to you? Well, uh, um, both have a different and but very interesting stories. Uh, when Bombay happened to me, it was a role of a mother and I was very apprehensive playing that part. And because there's a, again, there's some unsaid rules that once you play a mother's role, you'll be tagged as a mother. So, Manisha, don't do it. You're just in your early 20s and you'll be tagged as a mother. So, I was very apprehensive. And then I had a great mentor like Ashok Mehta, a great cinematographer. And he's not here with us. But uh, I, uh, he fired me and he got angry with me. And he said, you know, you don't know what you're missing out. Your uh, Mani Ratnam, sir, has just you know, offered you a film. Uh, he used to call me, <laughs> like, you're very silly. And uh, so he, once he, I got good firing from him, uh, I decided to go. Mom and me, we decided to go to Chennai. And we again did a screen test and photo shoot. And that movie happened. And during uh, 1942, A Love Story, Vinod Chopra, again, um, uh, I had to perform. I had to do a screen test. My first screen test was not good at all. Uh, so he had told me, Manisha, you're, you're not, you know, you're rejected. And then I said, you know, I can't be rejected. So um, I said, I don't know how to do, how to be a good actor, but I want to try one more time. Please give me one more time. So he gave me 24 hours. He said, come back tomorrow. And uh, so whole, that 24 hours, I, the towered that scene, like how? I was, you know, reading that scene one after the other, one after the other. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. So my mother saw my madness and she actually got worried for me. She said, beta, you go mad like this. You know, it's okay if you don't do a film. Uh, but I, somewhere in my head, I had say, no, I can't give up before trying my best. And um, so next day I went for that film. I did a screen test again. And uh, Vinod was pleasantly surprised and he said if you were zero yesterday you are 100 today so that's that's when I realized what it takes to be a good actor it's a pure dedication and hard work you are zero today the sense of abandonment had always stayed with you primarily your mother you felt had abandoned you when you were very young and you stayed on with your grandmother. Tell us a little bit about that, that period. Yeah, um, I was very young, I think three or four year old. Uh, when, um, see my political, uh, should I talk a little bit of my background? Okay, so um, I come from a political uh, family and a freedom fighter. My grandfather is the one who actually started a democratic movement in Nepal. And uh, so uh, we were politically exiled and uh, most of their lives, our lives, have lived in Banaras. And, um, Where they have a wonderful Haveli right on the banks of the, of the, of the Ganga. I don't have a Haveli. We don't have a Haveli. <laughs> we, we were, but the royal, okay, that's the royal family. That's factor. a royal family. We were freedom fighters. The world of difference. <laughs> so not me, but my family was. And... Um, um, so, um, um, my grandfather decided that, uh, uh, mom, my mother should go and accompany my father in Nepal for a political, uh, this thing work. Whereas I should be with my grandmother who was based in Banaras. 
so that's when that that decision took place and but i really couldn't comprehend i really felt my mother abandoned me and uh, so i remember that and i've written that in my book that uh, from the back door when my mother left i kept on staring at her figure which was going you know far into the off, distance into the distance. into the distance and i kept on waiting that now she's going to turn and now she's going to turn and she'll come back and hug me but she didn't and many years later you asked her why she didn't do that i i asked my mom i said mom why didn't you turn she said beta because i didn't want you to see me crying i didn't want you to see me crying and become weaker so that was but that feeling of being abandoned uh, was there constantly which was my growing up years i'm going to go back to the to your story of of healed there you were in bombay um waiting for the doctor to come back and the first person you actually see look at your father's face in the evening when the doctor comes to you and you realize that in fact the original diagnosis was correct what happened um you know i as an actor i uh, we we know how the body language functions we can barely read the face if one is not too clever <laughs> in hiding uh but during cancer diagnosis i became very 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 uh, observant of people's gestures body languages and facial expression out of fear that they might be hiding something and they're being pleasant with me and nice to me in my face but there must be something really serious so i used to look at people's faces and look at their eyes constantly to see what the truth is and um, i remember uh dr advani because i was waiting at my room in um just look hospital and I, when i heard uh, dr advani's he's in his wheelchair coming in so i ran towards my door and i kept on seeing him from a distance coming towards me and i could see from his face that it was a bad news i i knew that it was a bad news and um So anyways um then few other doctors came i was in the bed lying and uh, i kept on asking what next what do i do now what what is the plan of action how do we deal with this situation and so on and so forth the conversation went you've always been very close uh, to your family and your brother in many ways then took over and became i mean you had been in many ways because of your star situation you had been the person in control and this was the first time that perhaps your brother took over and started creating all of these arrangements to yeah. take you to new york you know uh, because i'm the eldest sister so i always thought my younger brother is a brat so <laughs> which he was not that he wasn't he was <laughs> i hope my brother doesn't get upset but yeah i mean that's what i thought and um and um for the first time i saw that how responsible he was and he really took over everything and started doing managing people situation uh, all the logistics and with such calm calmness and such maturity So I was in awe of my brother and I'm so grateful for him you know standing up at that moment and giving a huge support to all of us. 
the decision to go to New York was taken when and, and why? Because Advani, Dr. Advani had sort of told you that this is the course of treatment, but why did you all then decide that, no, let's go to New York for the rest of the treatment? Yeah, that's a crucial thing uh, because it was uh, a late-stage cancer. I also realized that my cancer had intertwined with my organs inside. So the operation itself will be very complicated. So it's like a do or die situation. And uh, I could be dead, basically. So in my head, I said, okay, if I have to die, uh, do I want to give little extra uh, effort and see where I can find, you know? So I started asking, is there a good... Uh, ovarian cancer surgeon in the world. So the, uh, there were two names that came and both were from New York. And one was in Cornell Hospital, Dr. Caputo's name. One was Dr. Chi uh, from Sloan Catering. And I also remember a lot of people, my grandfather also who had cancer was treated in Sloan. And uh, some other people also had gone to Sloan. Uh, Sloan being the, uh, you know, one of the best cancer institute. Um, so that's when uh, we said, okay, fine, how do we get appointment with, uh, appointment with these doctors? And that whole search began. It so happened that my mother's uh, childhood friend from Banaras are doctors in New York and uh, in Cornell Hospital. So Mukulanti, she's a Bengali, but she's a doctor in Cornell Hospital. She started arranging Dr. Caputo and, and all that. So somehow we took a lead from there and landed up in New York. And ultimately, we decided on Dr. Chi because um, the reviews about his surgery was uh, slightly better, so we kind of... How many of you in the audience have a member of their family or friends who've had cancer, and how many of you are cancer survivors? So that's wow. a fairly <laughs> enormous number. One of the biggest issues, as we know, with the treatment of cancer is also resources. And how do you be able to pay that kind of thing? You went through, you had to do a lot of strategy in being able to do that. Can you share some of that so that people understand what it takes? Basically, I feel any uh, uh, serious diseases or illness, uh, patient needs to be educated. I feel one should really look out and hunt out who's the best doctor in this area. Because not all doctors are expert in everything. And uh, so... Um, one needs to be educated. One needs to know, okay, uh, then get treated from that doctor. Try and get the access to that doctor. Uh, or If not first, go to the second best or to the third best. But just be, uh, take ownership of your health in the sense that you drive. Don't become a victim and don't become like somebody else. You know, normally that what, that's what happens is either family members or friends or somebody else take decisions. I feel... Uh, we need to take decisions for ourselves and we need to drive the process of uh, becoming all right. So choosing a right doctor, following the doctor's advice to the T, and that's what I did. You know, that time I did not mingle ki ye bhi kar lo, wo bhi kar lo. Um, I, I did not. Um, but I knew in my head that once um, uh, a good doctor has done his bit, then it becomes my responsibility how to revive my health back. What do I do? Then I started researching a lot. I started uh, understanding naturopathy. I started understanding what is good health. 
and how does emotional health uh, impacts our physical health so many things i started understanding and then i took a call of okay i'm going to be on a good lifestyle change a lifestyle that is conducive for maintaining a healthy life a healthy body you know and uh, it's a whole lot of journey it's a great journey to understand your health and your well being and i got totally hooked to hooked into it um i'm going to all. come back to her as a fighter but i'll come back to that lifestyle change the last time that i was with manisha we were in can and manisha and my common friend surina nature's narula called me and said you know manisha's here can you get her to walk the red carpet at the palais at the can festival and i said sure I'll, you know i'll, I'll sort it out because i long hair i get to sit on some of these boards so then you have influence so i get a time for us to walk it was 5:30 in the evening and it's not easy because in can every second is program and i called uh, and i'm like where is manisha and i called hs and manisha picks up the phone one bottle of vodka later and like on a yacht in the mediterranean after i've done this and i'm going manisha i will shoot you but coming back the fact that you were able to fight this addiction you had an addiction at a, at that point of time I how did you i don't know about addiction addiction but i i uh, drank a lot and um, you know the thing is um, i kind of question mark um, if it was an addic- addiction i don't know really sanjoy because for me um, if it was a celebration it was a bottle of champagne if i was depressed i was drinking so any excuse to drink you know but i feel uh, the moment cancer happened it didn't even take me a second to decide okay that's out of my life and that's out of my life for good because it it was not really making i just understood you know how it impacts a mind and body the way we think and you know the way we are and and our emotional health everything so um, i don't know if i can call it an addiction you know it, the fact it was that just you were a, it, it was just a kida the kida nikal gaya ha nikal gaya <laughs> the fact that you were able to uh, take control of your life and some of the i i had an occasion to speak to some people in sloan catering and one of them said to me sure the operation helped but what really worked was the fact that manisha fought with every cell and every ounce of her being and at every point of time she was fully informed about her, the progress of her disease how important in, is that in the fight for cancer again it's really 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 important to be informed in any any disease one should be informed and having faith that you can overcome it having a will power that yes i'm going to go through the grind but i'm going to do it i though i may not be that strong all the time but i had a great family support i had support of my mother who was always there even at my weakest time when i said okay i can't do this anymore i had a great support of my mom so i was blessed with that you know and um, having said that uh, sanjoy i would also want to say it's people who uh try their level best and do get the treatment and do everything correct 
still are, can't manage you know some some of them still are not so it doesn't mean that there's something lacking uh, i feel when it's our time to go maybe cancer is an excuse for us to leave this planet so um, we should be graceful about dying and death and accepting as well but as long as we live as long as there is a will as long as there's a way we should do we should uh, try to do it our best way so that when time you know it's it should not feel as if i didn't try my level best i did not give my 100% or 200% uh so one should really try and do everything possible but uh know that even doctors are not god we are not god and death is is a very very uh fact of our life i don't know if any of you've seen the movie all that jazz but in that film it, one of the key things was anger denial acceptance death did you go through the anger denial bit of it for a bit not anger denial for a bit because when i was thinking that i was wrongly diagnosed denial uh, definitely uh defeat uh, depression de- depression as depression, well depression maybe later on um but i'm i'm not too sure i felt uh, see depression is again something i had to tackle uh, after i was fine with cancer and uh, when i was wanting to understand uh, good health i realized how important mental health is and uh, so i went through a physiotherapist sorry not physiotherapist um psychotherapist psychotherapist and uh, that's when i educated myself when i got to know uh, all your childhood anxieties the resentments the hurt the disappointments how it's important to re- you know just uh, not let that affect you not let that rule you in your conscious unconscious uh, body so uh, uh that i had to deal with with professionals i think my, is michael manezes in the audience by any chance michael manezes are you somewhere here what you'd love this question so sometime before your diagnosis you had these two ladies who came to scan your body tell us about yeah that's very interesting uh aboriginals uh i used to i think that was a time i got diagnosed in um, late september november uh and this was during june july like 5 6 months of the same of the same year same but 6 months before 6 months before and i used to feel tired and sick uh, like i would have cold and cough which is go on for weeks and weeks but it will not get okay my body used to get tired my stomach was bloating something was wrong constantly um so i had gone to this uh, healer my friend had uh, hosted them and this lady uh, one old big lady uh, she was uh, dealing scanning my mom and one younger one who was her student uh, uh, was dealing and scanning my body and she scanned from head to and she stopped at, on top of my ovaries and she said um, your ovaries are red hot I was like, hmm, what? What does that mean? And she said, you're very angry with ovaries. I said, okay. I mean, I don't understand this. So she got a little ruffled and muffled, and she called the teacher, the more experienced uh, lady, uh, 
uh, and she she also scanned my body and she said yes uh, your ovaries are red hot and uh, your i said what do i do so she said uh, you're very angry with your ovaries you s- try and send loving energy to your ovaries now this is the strangest thing i've ever heard <laughs> you know how do i send loving energy to the ovaries and why would i be even angry with my ovaries so i really didn't understand you know the importance anyways we came back home we forgot about it i just suddenly remembered them once i was diagnosed and once i was in new york and i had enough time to comprehend that i had cancer i had ovarian cancer that's when i remembered them and i started you know desperately trying to get in touch with them to understand now what do i do next what do i do now and i finally tra- tracked them traced them and uh, they responded now it's too late we really can't we can send you prayers we can send you healing energy they were back in new zealand and uh, they said we can just send you uh, you are in the best place with the doctors you please do what you have to do you're now in new york uh, you've had many people come and stand by you including subroto roy who's much reviled right now tell us yeah basically uh, uh, so uh, had actually uh, that time uh, because the whole group was coming to new york and new york was a place that i've visited as a as a celebrity as a star as a student because i studied in nyu um, so but you are you are younger you are confident there are a lot of people who want to host you a lot of people want to welcome you this connection everything but here as a patient i wasn't sure who's going to welcome me i wasn't sure if anybody wanted a sick person in their family or in their house or if anybody will come forward to help me so i was very very reluctant very very hesitant uh, whom to contact whom not to contact and i had heard that so has uh, plaza hotel so a friend of mine suggested manisha you know him why don't you call him with lot of reluctance with lot of hesitation i called him you know it so happened that he got to know that i had cancer he he said make sure you can please you know uh, go and stay there if you needed and i have few people who will assist you through the process because there's a lot of medical process that you have to go through in a strange country so that happened and i'm really truly me and my family are truly grateful for that uh, his support and uh, the people who came really helped us you know from small little thing uh, of paperwork getting a sim card in a strange country <laughs> small small thing but it helps you know but you also had a very solid support system and you found some of your you know your your true friends your true family come and stand by you and how important is that in a process of healing of being able to fight any kind of disease or being in a difficult time i something has strange happened to me during this process people that i expected would uh, i thought would come and be by my side didn't come but strange people people who i've never met before people i'd least expected from actually came forward and helped and were there by my side so there were this couple i want to talk about and there was another person dr narayan naidu um he's in la but he would fly down i had uh, got introduced to him through one of my healers and um he would fly down from la to new york and spend entire day or two days and explaining to me some various stuff just giving me company but his conversation was really insightful 
and and then there was this doctor couple uh, dr narula and his wife uh, zina ji and uh, you know during my chemotherapy time sometimes i used to be hospitalized because i would get infection and so she would come spend entire sunday with me and she is a busy doctor so i was very uh, surprised because um, i she didn't know me before so i asked her, i said zina ji why are you doing this you know you're uh, coming and spending your sundays with me knowing fully well that you have kids you are fully working all the time you're a doctor in in manhattan you know and you you have other obligation but you're here with me why are you doing this and she she said manisha ji with the hope that you will do this to somebody else give it forward play it forward paid forward i was that really taught me something and opened my eyes about being service being there for people where people are least expecting it and um, since that was my cue to uh, promising myself that time that if i get a second chance to life i will be there for people who need me and in whatever capacity and uh, it just it just makes living more comfortable more lovely and you start having faith if there is a god god was present in that moment dr chi has seen you you've agreed to the operation date uh, they open you up they look at the spread of the cancer which is quite enormous it's sort of entangled and affected many of your organs what happens after basically uh, the way he described it to my family who were outside waiting for the doctor eagerly was that it it was like rice crispy crispies rice crispies sprinkled sp- across spread throughout my body throughout my stomach and so he had to literally pick it uh, and one by one by one and um, yeah it was a, it was 11 hours surgery and uh, it was long long hours i was unconscious i had no idea and um, uh, but he did a fantastic job i have to say because he uh, said i've he's uh, it's called optimal debulking and he took out some 95% of the cancer from my body and yet after that there was yet another dip no uh that was not through the surgery that was actually um chemotherapy makes your immune system really weak and um so i got infection i got hospitalized um you know you're already down uh and with every uh, little ray of hope like after the successful st- uh, surgery i asked my doctor doctor surgery was fine so will i get to live now and doctors just said uh, manisha i can't tell you it's not like cough and cold like in you know that you'll be fine you have to i have to see how well you do in chemotherapy and i said okay so uh, during chemotherapy your immune system um, uh, becomes weak and i got infections and i, I was hospitalized again and uh, i remember dr chi uh, in his rounds of seeing other patient at the hospital he saw me he said what are you doing here i and i said uh, doc i got an infection 
He said, just be very, very careful because you cannot miss any, any chemo. It was a last stage cancer plus an aggressive form of cancer. So, you know, um, I couldn't slip. I couldn't miss a day of chemo just because I got an infection and something. So, I mean, it was really harrowing experience. But you instinctively knew that you had to go to hospital. You were with, you were in your apartment in New York where, mm. and then you told your brother, how did you, what was the instinct that you had that you said, but you have to take me? Yeah, basically that was middle of the night. No, it was four in the morning, three or four in the morning. Um, we were, we were taught to uh, self uh, take a, what do you call it? How do you check your fever? Through the thermometer, thermometer and write down, okay, uh, uh, you know, how much the was temperature. the temperature and all that. And suddenly I realized I had 103, 104 something temperature. So I woke my brother up and said, let's go to emergencies. Um, you know, we have to go. And that's when it was discovered later that I was an alert patient. I was very alert. I was, uh, I was just following doctor's advice as much as possible. To an extent, Sandra, that I used to be stuck. After I got infection, I got stuck in my bedroom. I wouldn't step out. So I remember my um, oncologist, Dr. Macker, She's saying, Manisha, how do you spend your day? I said, Doc, I just, I'm in the bed. So uh, she said, no, this is New York. Please step out. Go to Central Park. Go to the library. Go see a movie. I said, Doc, but I'll get infection. You know, I got, already got an infection. and I can't afford to do that. She said, if you get an infection, I will treat you. But you must, you know, learn to relax and not be so, uh, you know, scared and be caught up in a, in a room, lock yourself in a room. So basically, she taught me also to relax while being careful of not getting an infection. And in those winter days, there you were walking out in the snow of New York. Yes, I started stepping out. I started walking a uh, few blocks and then a uh, few rounds uh, and then further uh, to the Central Park and a little bit in the Central Park, then full round of Central Park. So slowly, slowly, you know, um, my parents again uh, were a big help in telling me to start becoming active and start becoming going out because my, the doctors obviously had told them, you don't let her be confined to the room. And one of the most lovely things in the book, uh, when you all pick it up, you'll see is that you met a Rinpoche in New York and the Rinpoche said, talk to you about pain and the need to record and live and understand it yeah basically uh rinpoche um he came and uh, we went for a dinner uh, all of us and uh, that time he said manisha please uh, make notes because once you're well you'll forget this time and there were two things that happened to me one was he thought that i'll be fine that was a great news i mean that was a good omen and uh, secondly, that made me also to start uh, maintaining a diary and uh, noting down each emotion that I was facing, how I was seeing life. If it was painful, I was uh, elaborate that. And if I would see something, I remember the whole one day my brother had taken me for a walk and uh, I, I started feeling that this is heaven. This, this world is heaven. So I was describing in the diary how the, uh, the leaves were sprouting, how the, the tree barks were there, how the birds, how the grass. I was seeing everything with such newness. And I wrote that thing in my diary. So 
my diary had a different uh, emotion sometimes excruciatingly painful and sometimes full of uh, pride uh, and that's where this book actually emerged from yes and where did you find neelam the co-author of the book well actually it's been a journey again everything in my life has a some story behind it uh initially um this book was meant to be with rachna chachi she is a nu- uh, nutritionist and um something came up she started she had to start her own company and stuff like that uh so we started working in 2017 december and i was on a holiday and we started doing recording and all that and um, question answers and noting and uh, putting on notes and a few months down the line rachna said manisha i'm busy uh, please i can't help you with the book i got jitters i said okay uh, then there's another friend of mine um, she had flown down from la all the way from la to mumbai for a holiday and uh, simi singh juneja and uh, so she and i started working and she actually helped me what used to happen initially was i would evade uh sitting in the pain i would talk about and write about everything else but i was not able to you know process, process the painful the pain. painful part you know the scary part so she actually taught me how to make a safe circle around me and and just be comfortable to express them so this whole thing she taught me and uh, eventually she and me also fell out because she had to go back she had some personal issues um and then at around uh august neelam kumar came in and neelam and i have been in talks before she wanted to uh write i had uh, written forward uh, for her book and she wanted to write biography which i was not ready for so a thought of neelam kumar came to me and i contacted her neelam would you help me uh, you know do this book it's already been done but i need i still need some support you know i'm a i'm a actor <laughs> <laughs> and i was attempting to be a writer so um uh she came on board in august and within two months of time i think august september and a little bit of october uh we finished the book it's a beautiful book and i'm going to open it up to the audience in a second but before that you're back in cinema sanju has been released it's been a huge success what are the plans uh my plans actually are mul- uh, quite a few uh first is to be of course meet my readers uh, talk about my book and get to know my readers and um my other thing is i'll forever be an actor and i love cinema i love being in front of camera and uh, so i have a couple of scripts uh not signed yet but once i go back in february i'm going to be uh, working on that um for this i have a new release which is called uh, prasthanam with sanjudat that's going to be releasing this year and uh, something that i'm really training almost every day if, uh, is i'm going for a trek to everest uh, base camp um i've taken that as a challenge uh, with my age and you know my health condition i thought uh, if i train enough thank you for the love if i train enough uh, i can do it and uh, it's very interesting because uh, my school friends from army public school uh, one is a big designer in delhi one is in 
Canada and me, three of us are coming together after 30 years. And uh, so bonding and doing this trek together and uh, talking about our lives, how our lives have eventually turned around. And uh, probably that's going to be a book also. And so, where is your co-family? Where's your brother and parents? I was hoping that actually he would be here today because he played such an important role in your healing process. I know. I really miss them. I wish they were here. Uh, my parents and my brother. Uh, my brother is on a holiday with his wife and his daughter. And uh, he'll be going to Nepal after that. And my parents are in Mumbai waiting for me. <laughs> I have to tell them in each and everything in detail what happened in Jaipur. <laughs> the two reasons when this, when this, when Serena called me and I immediately said yes was one, of course, paying tribute to one of Bollywood's most incredible actresses, but also for every cancer survivor. And we support the Cancer Society here. And we, of course, uh, my parents, my father died of cancer, so can support in 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 Delhi, can for kids who've looked after many of our street kids at Salam Balak Trust. And I think the reason for somebody like you to write and talk about your story of healing, of pain, the fight, is to give hope to every family, to everybody who knows or has experienced cancer. So I think on behalf of all of us here in Jaipur, at the festival and in the world, thank you for making this book possible, Manisha. You're an incredible fighter and it's amazing for you to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Jaipur Bites, a podcast produced by Lonchora in association with the Z Jaipur Literature Festival. Thank you.